Amazon Books, your weekly program about great reads through book talks, trailers, and first chapters. Presented by Mrs. Winningham and Mrs. Kovach. Hello, this is Mrs. Green. Today I'll be reading from the book titled How to Disappear, written by Sharon Huss Rote. Here's a bit of information about the book. Vicki Decker has mastered the art of hiding in plain sight, except from her best and only friend, Jenna. But when Jenna moves away, her isolation becomes unbearable. So Vicki invents a social life by photoshopping herself into photos and posting them on Instagram under the screen name Vicurious. But as her online following grows, the clearer it becomes that she isn't the only one who feels hashtag alone and hashtag ignored in real life. And Vicki realizes that she must find the courage to face her fear of being seen, because only then can she stop living vicariously and truly bring the magic of Vicurious to life. Now on to chapter one. Standing by my locker, I can already feel the sweat circles forming on my t-shirt. Nobody can see that, I assume myself, I assure myself. Not through the enormous sweater I'm wearing or beneath my nearly impenetrable wall of hair. Still, I pull the drab yellow net away from my armpits. My mother took one look at me this morning and managed not to mention what she was probably thinking that I won't win any popularity contest dressed like a giant blob of Dijon mustard. Instead, she joked, are you in there? And kind of paused while spreading the gray poupon on my sandwich, her eyes flitting between the jar and my sweater. She's subtle like that. And I'm perfectly aware this is not my best color. It doesn't make my hazel eyes pop or help me stand out in the crowd. In fact, this particular shade of brownish yellow is a perfect complement to both my hair and the painted block walls of our school, which is exactly why I'm wearing it. If the dare I'm about to attempt goes badly, I'll be able to blend into my surroundings and disappear before anyone notices. My best friend Jenna is making me do this. We were FaceTiming last night from our respective bedrooms mine in its usual place, and hers in the very faraway state of Wisconsin, where she now lives. Her mom got a really good job there, so their family moved in mid-August, a couple of weeks before the start of our sophomore year. I'm worried about you, she said. I leaned out of view so all she could see was my cat, named Cat, curled into a tabby fuzzball on the bed. It's been two months. Jenna put her face extra close to the screen and whispered, have you spoken to anyone in two months? I speak to you, I said, a real person. You're not a real person? You know what I mean. She tipped her phone sideways and propped it on a dresser, giving me a panoramic view of her new bedroom, which I hated on principle. A real live person, not your parents, and teachers don't count. I tried to think of the last time I spoke to someone at school. Aside from mumbling sorry when I got bumped into, or whispering, bless you, when the kid next to me sneezed. For pretty much as long as I can remember, Jenna has been the only person I ever really talked to. When it comes to communicating with anyone else, 
She has always spoken for both of us. Even if someone directs their question to me, I hesitate and she jumps in to answer. It's just the way we are. Like how I always tied her shoes for her. I was better at it, so she never really learned. Now she just buys shoes that buckle or zip or slip on. And I don't talk. All you have to do is say hi, said Jenna. That's how we became friends, isn't it? You said hi, and the rest is history. I was five, I said. I didn't know any better. She laughed. So pretend you're five again. You're sitting cross-legged in the grass, chewing on a popsicle stick, when a girl with a tragically unfortunate bangs walks out of the house across the street. She looks like somebody cut her hair with a machete. Say hi to the poor thing. I sighed. It's not that easy. You know how I am. Her face filled the screen again. I know exactly how you are. That's why you need to do this, or you'll spend the rest of high school alone and miserable, hiding in the bathroom probably. She did know me. So I promised to say hi to somebody at school today, and the somebody I've selected as, as recipient of my greeting is Hallie Bryce. Her locker is right next to mine, which regularly puts her within earshot of whatever sound I can force from my vocal cords. I won't have to go out of my way or approach anyone. I clear my throat to make sure it's still working. And that's when I spot Hallie's gloriously perfect dancer bun gliding down the hall toward me. Immediately, my pulse is pounding in my ears. She reaches her locker and squats down to enter the combination. It's not really a squat, though, what she's doing. The proper term is grand plié, which I learned from her Instagram, which is composed entirely of ballet photos mostly of herself on point in various locations where you wouldn't normally find a ballerina, in a tree, on the beach, against a backdrop of urban decay. I don't follow, follow her, as in I haven't clicked on the follow button or anything. I'm more of a lurk in the shadows kind of girl. Not in any creepy way, in more of an admiring from afar, I wish I could be like this sort of way. So here she is, plie squatting right next to me, and all I have to do is say that one tiny word to fulfill my mission. I'm not even asking myself for full-on hello or anything insane like, how are you? Just hi. Hallie glances up at me then. One of her beautifully curved eyebrows arches high on her forehead. She's waiting because I'm staring. I know I am, but I can't seem to stop or move or otherwise behave like a normal person. Her brows pull together in a V-shape and her head tilts slightly to the side. Did you say something? She knows I haven't said anything. She's just being nice. I throw my eyes to the floor. Forget saying hi. It's all I can do not to hyperventilate. She sighs, stands, clicks her locker shut, and pirouettes down the hall. Okay, maybe she just walks, but in that ballerina way of hers, toes pointed, feet turned out, I watch her go, exhaling the tightness from my chest. There's a moment of relief as my fear subsides, but it's quickly replaced by a feeling I like to call, I suck. One simple thing, that's all I had to do. I drag my gaze to the interior of my locker, to the photo of me and Jenna taped on the back wall. We are standing arm in arm. I'm wearing her pink camisole dress she was, that was too tight, but she insisted fit me perfectly, and we're smiling with all our teeth. I touch the picture because it helps. I don't know why. Only seven hours to go, and I'll be on the bus home texting her. I'll confess my failure, but she'll still be my friend. She told me so when she moved away, that we won't let the distance come between us. 
We'll finish high school, graduate, go to college together, be roommates, just like we've always planned. I close my locker and head toward my first class, concentrating on not tripping or getting slammed by a backpack or poked in the eye with a drumstick. The latter is a realistic threat because Adrian Ahn is walking in front of me twirling actual drumsticks. Adrian is the official rock star of Edgar H. Richardson High School. He's in a band called East 48. They're good, like mosh pit diving fans screaming their heads off good. Not that I've seen them in person, but they post videos on YouTube. He's part Korean and dyes his long hair a darkish red color. Today, he's got it twisted into a messy knot with a pencil poked through it. Nobody else could pull that off, but Adrian looks amazing. My eyes are glued to his man bun. Not buns, though they are certainly worth gluing one's eyes to. I'm wondering what would happen if I yanked that pencil out of his hair when he suddenly spins around, throwing a stick in the air as he does a 360 on one heel. I come to an abrupt, abrupt halt so as not to crash into him, but the kid walking next to me doesn't. He knocks right into Adrian and pushes him away from the drumstick that is currently soaring through the air. Right for my face. My hand shoots up to grab it. Whoa! Adrian says, regaining his balance. Good catch. I blink at the drumstick, clutched in my outstretched hand. OMG. I caught Adrian Ahn's drumstick, and he's speaking to me. This is my chance to talk to somebody, somebody who spoke to me first. Hi, I blurt. It's the only thing I can think to say. I guess because I spent the morning rehearsing it and working up the nerve to say it to Hallie, but I know immediately it's the wrong thing. So, of course, I say it again. Hi. Adrian laughs. Hi to you, too. We're stopped in the middle of the hall. Kids jostle me as they step around us. Can I uh, get that back? Adrian tips his chin toward the drumstick in my hand, which I am still holding in the air like the Statue of Liberty. I quickly push the stick to his chest. Ah, uh, I, uh, yes, here's your drumstick. I caught it. Self-defense, of course, totally. You could put an eye out with that thing. But here you go. All yours now. Happy to be of service. Oh my God. Happy to be of service. Did I actually say that out loud? The word spew is an occasional side effect of never speaking to anyone. It's like my brain stores up every ridiculous thought I've ever had and then projectile vomits it all over the place. To make matters worse, I cap it off with the cheerful, go forth and prosper. Adrian laughs again. You too, Spock. I declined to clarify that I wasn't quoting the Vulcan who actually said, live long and prosper, because my brain has thankfully gone into complete lockdown and we are swept away in the throng of students. This is why you can't have nice things, Vicki, like friends or conversations. Instead of continuing to my world history class, I duck into the nearest girl's bathroom, trying to tamp down a sudden wave of nausea. I don't succeed and heave into the toilet, holding my hair back with one hand and steadying myself on a toilet roll dispenser with the other. One of the girls I dash past on my way in says, ooh, and scurries out. I flush and stare into the toilet bowl, which is now clear and filling with water. A knock on the stall door startles me. I turn to see a pair of red converse high tops on the other side, the yin-yang symbol, sharpied onto their rubber toes. I love that symbol. Jenna and I first discovered it the summer before seventh grade and adopted it as our own secret code. We doodled it everywhere, signed notes with it. We downloaded a custom emoji so we could text it to each other. We even got temporary tattoos of it once and swore we'd get real ones when we were old enough. 
The wearer of the yin-yang converse says, you okay in there? Fine, I call out too loud. Why am I shouting? You sure, the girl says. Yes, I whisper. Too quiet now. I sound like a freak. I wasn't always this bad, or maybe I was and didn't realize it until Jenna left. It's like walking on a balance beam while someone's holding your hand and you're perfectly fine until they suddenly let go and you can't move. <laughs>